Hey everybody, when you hear that music, you know it's time for yet another exciting episode of On the Lighter Side of Baseball, and I'll tell you what, we have a packed show today. It is going to be a great show. We have about four more weeks of baseball. Yeah, even though it's the middle of September, because of the lockout, uh, the season has been extended a week, so that the teams are all playing into October. And that not just because they're in playoff baseball, but because that's the way uh, Mighty Manfred, uh, the Wonder Commissioner, wanted it to go. So the World Series, believe it or not, if it goes seven games, will end on November 5th. Burr. Let me tell you, not bad if it's Los Angeles, because the temperature in Los Angeles in November is going to be pretty good. And the odds are that they'll have the home field advantage and that they will have game six and seven because of that home field advantage, if anybody that plays them is able to go seven. Now, if the Yankees go to the World Series, it could be a little nippy out there in the Bronx on uh, November 5th, but they wouldn't have home field advantage unless something miraculous happens. And under the format, the Yankees would have to have a superior record to whoever they were playing in order to get the home field advantage. And with the way they have slumped in August and into September, I don't think the Yankees are going to have the home field advantage. So if things go according to our earlier predictions, the uh, teams that have a viable shot at playing November baseball would be the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Rays, the Astros, and then you go figure out from there. That, that seems to be uh, probably what is going to happen. Now, there are a couple dark horses. The Braves fans, there are Braves fans out there. One of my good buddies is a diehard Braves fan. And so the Braves and the Mets have an arguable shot at taking on the Dodgers in the NLCS and perhaps winning. And if that were the case, then after that, uh, the, their record could uh, be inferior to that of the American League champion. But we're going to get into that in a little more detail at the end of the show. But at the beginning of the show that you can find on Spotify, Apple iTunes, and SoundCloud, those stations carry this exciting podcast. And isn't that great? I think it's great. Anyway, baseball is actually... Kind of got some exciting things going on right now. And uh, next year is even going to be a lot more exciting because as we predicted, yeah, you can go back and listen to our earlier podcasts with Craig and with others. And uh, no, Craig's not here today. And no, the barking dogs aren't here. But boy, do we have a doghouse. The doghouse expands. New criteria for being in the doghouse. You have to be... I mean, the real big dogs are 30 games back already at the, uh, with a month to go. The biggest dog would be the Oakland A's. And we'll get to the other dogs, but there are plenty of dogs to go around. I just don't have a dog to bark like we did the other day. And a few of the listeners uh, really like the sound effects with the dog barking for the doghouse dog pound teams. Anyway, let's look into some of those rule changes for next year. That'll be something we're going to talk about. Uh, pitch clock, no shift, things that were 
talked about on this podcast and that we favored. Now, those are the two things we favored. We were not against um, the pitch clock. Didn't really know how it was going to work. But from what we gather, here is the publicity on the pitch clock. With no base runners on, 15 seconds for the pitcher to throw the ball. Or, if he doesn't do it, and I don't know what kind of a sound effects we're going to have. Hopefully it's a really loud, like a like the Tampa Bay Lightning, or the whatever the name of the hockey team is. Uh, we, have, we have a siren like that that goes off for a goal or the end of the period. Something loud to get these guys' attention, because if they don't pitch within 15 seconds, that is a ball. Now, if the ball is in the air and at 16 seconds, I, I don't know how they're going to do that. And I, let, Let's just theoretically, what happens if he throws the ball at 16 seconds, having encountered an automatic ball, but the batter hits it out of the park? Is it a dead ball when the 15-second clock goes off? Like in the NBA, if you put up a shot after the buzzer, it doesn't count. Now, if it's out of your hands by the time the buzzer goes, it counts. So I don't know. Well, let's just say it's like there have been a couple occasions in my life that I've witnessed home runs hit after an umpire, one of the base umpires, called timeout to nobody's awareness. Guy hits a home run, doesn't count. Or like quarterback, the clock goes down to zero, the game clock goes down to zero, the play clock goes down to zero, whatever you want to call it, drops back, throws a touchdown, at delay game, sorry, doesn't count. Team intercepts it, eh, sorry, doesn't count. Can't decline that penalty. As soon as that whistle blows, it's a dead ball. Some screwy things about football. And uh, we'll just have to see how, the, how this pitch clock works. Speaking of football, I had the honor, the privilege, and the sheer pleasure to go watch the Chicago Bears take on the San Francisco 49ers who left their heart in San Francisco, man. They were a... Anybody that loses to the Bears has got to leave their heart wherever their plane took off from. And in this case, it goes with that Tony Bennett song, I left my heart in... Well, that's what happened to the uh, 49ers, man. They left their heart in San Francisco, and uh, it was ugly. Now... The only thing uglier was the field. And how the NFL didn't force the Bears to forfeit that game got me hanging. I guess they really, the field was installed in nice weather. And then Chicago had seven or eight days of nice weather. And there was a game on Saturday night before the Bears game, a soccer game. And in the old days with the old field, which was like a month ago, when the Chicago Prep League or a small college or a soccer game took place, on, now, if it's a soccer game, uh, it's not a field. It's a pitch. And we're not talking about pitches in baseball. We're talking about the soccer field is... I mean, I watched Ted Lasso. I learned what a pitch is. And then the other day, I'm taking my grandson to a soccer game. And uh, his coach is from Ireland. And we're kind of walking fast. I'm sort of jogging like an old... 72-year-old fat guy, and he goes, I think there are pitches over there, and I'm looking around for a fastball. 
And uh, you know, then I remember that the soccer field is a pitch, not a soccer field. It's a pitch. Anyway, where were we? I have no idea. Uh, the Bears field, the pitch. The pitch. The field was the pitch on Saturday. That's where I was going. When they played soccer Saturday night, it was a pitch. Not a four-seamer, not a cutter, not a f- nothing. It was a pitch in soccer. Okay, I beat a dead horse on that. Now, on Sunday, the pitch became the field. And the field had not encountered any adverse weather after it was put in. And this is apparently a Bermuda field. The field was so bad, you can you can go back and Google and I mean, even Andy Reid, after a practice game, said the field was an embarrassment to that mighty Chicago franchise, the oldest franchise in the NFL, the Chicago Bears. Embarrassing. And that's not the only thing. The McCaskey post-George Hallis regime has been nothing but an embarrassment. Yeah, Ditka took him to the Super Bowl. Yeah, Lovey took him to the Super Bowl. But let me tell you, they have had like 80 quarterbacks since the Packers drafted Brett Favre. They've had Favre, and they've had Rodgers, and the Bears have had, you name it. You name it. Oh, my God. They've been, they've been so bad. But anyway, so it rained and rained and rained. And, if, you know, four inches. They forgot to put any drains in. No drains on the field which was the pitch, which was dry Saturday, wet Sunday, and it was like, it was, it was amazing. You, these, whether it was the rest of the players, they couldn't take a step without a giant splash. That's how bad it was. Bad. And the rain stopped in the first half, so it was tolerable. Field dried a little. Rained. Second half, they, they couldn't handle the water. It, it wouldn't drain. And so... It was like the wind was blowing. There was actually a, you could have had surfing championships right there. Yeah. This is like Waikiki, Diamond Head, uh, you name it, the surfing capital of the world. Could have been in Chicago for a while because the wind was whipping that water around. It was like two inches of standing water. Anyway, that's the pitch. Not my pitch. There's no pitch. Anyway. Bears game was fun because they actually won. Justin Fields played a great second half. Terrible first half. Looked like Matt Nagy had stuck, snuck back. And because the Bears owed him some money, they had him come back as the offensive coordinator. Montgomery left, Montgomery right, Montgomery around. We have uh, a negative two rushing yardage after a quarter and a half. Not good. And the two passes that Fields completed in the first quarter, um, you know how baseball now is into velo, measuring velo? Well, I don't think that Fields' passes broke the three-mile-an-hour sound barrier. They're bad. I mean, he lopped them, and uh, it was bad. It was bad. Like, dude, you got to, like, throw the ball. Bears win, good time. They take on the Chargers. The Chiefs take on the Chargers Thursday night. Sorry, I got my teams confused. Mahomes without uh, uh, 
his man, his his go to guy, um, Hill, Tyreek, did pretty good. He did really well. There, there, there's one guy in all of football that I'd pay to go see, and and that's Patrick Mahomes. And I have paid to go see him, and I would again, and will again. The guy is worth every nickel. He's good. He is really good. Really fun to watch. So if you have a chance to uh, go to a game that the Chiefs are playing, go watch Patrick Mahomes. The dude can flat out entertain you. He's prepared. He's innovative. He smiles. He doesn't hot dog it around. Oh, my God. The NFL has become World Wrestling Association. Really boring. Bad product. Uh, Something good happens and like 20 guys run down to the end zone to taunt the fans. Now, they can go do a choreographed little deal after an interception and that could penalize. But if a player jaws with the opponent for any length of time, they throw a flag 15 yards. I don't get it. I don't get it. Speaking of weird penalties, the Bears were penalized for patting down a soaking wet field with a towel, and then discarding the towel. The rule book, if the referees ever knew the rule, and I don't think they did, the rule is you can't throw a towel onto the field before a play, or that becomes a penalty. Anyway, they patted down the field, and they were penalized. Can you believe that? So that uh, exciting stuff going on in the NFL... An exciting format that came to light last year with Peyton Manning and his brother. And they kind of sit there um, in their respective homes, Peyton in his billion-dollar garage, and uh, little Manning somewhere else. And they kind of kid each other, and then they have a guest, and it's really good. Baseball, somebody must have seen this on the MLB Network. And they go, hey, you know what? That's pretty good. So once a week, they have a clubhouse, uh, a club. They call it the clubhouse, where CC Sabathia, Sean Casey, and this last week it was Jake Peavy talk for three hours. And there's no better talking about the old days than baseball guys. You know, it's just amazing how that sport is interesting in the end. Guys like CC, Sabathia, Casey, and Peavy, they remember stuff. They, I mean, God, it's just great, and you want them to tell more stories. Football doesn't have that. Hey, you remember when I threw that screen pass? No. There's like 5,000 screen passes a year. I don't know if they even call it a screen pass. But with baseball, they remember what the, if it, the pitching, like Peavy was remembering what the hitting coach joked about in double-A baseball. And then he'd imitate him, and he'd talk about it. It's funny. They should get away with all the friggin'. They should do that for every game during the World Series. They should have a clubhouse discussion with different guys. So that you have guys that are good, and they know who can put two words together in the MLB network and Fox and everybody else. So that during the playoffs... Instead of listening to the bozos from TBS, and they're not all bozos, but um, the head guy is just horrible. He's getting a little better. 
little better. It does NBA. So it's just bad. Anyway, but um, there's some good guys, and, and they're out there, and um, they ought to use that during the – they ought to have two options. They should do the, the Peyton – Watching the football game with Peyton, watching the baseball, watching the playoffs with Przinsky and Rick Sutcliffe. Oh my God, it'll be great! And I'm sure there's hundreds of other guys that are uh, sort of articulate and easy to understand. Not the Ozzie Gans of the world. My God, he does the White Sox pregame postgame. You you can't understand Ozzie. God love him. I mean, and I don't love him, but but he is and was a great White Sox shortstop. It's just case hard to understand. And um, so it's in the right spot. And hey, okay, so, okay, we're off of that a little bit. I want to segue, big word, I want to segue a little bit before I talk about all the exciting stuff that's going on now in baseball. By the time we post this podcast in the next day or two, because we have to go to Hawaii to do that. Uh, some of these exciting things will have played out, like the consecutive home run record that Mike Trout is looking for tonight, or the consecutive quality starts that Valdez has done for Houston, or how about Albert Pujols? Man, oh man, going for 498 today. And luckily, They've, the Cardinals are blowing the division away, so they can they can let Albert go out there and win games for him. He still wins games. If I were his agent and his wife, I'd be begging him to come back next year. I know you said this is it. I know they've given you souvenirs everywhere. You got a number from the Cubs scoreboard. Woohoo! Come back next year as a player coach. How about that? It's a good way to. You know, yeah, he did his farewell tour as a player. Now he's a player coach. And uh, would that be great? Because the guy can still just flat bring it. I think I've told this story before about Albert Pujols. But in my younger day, and when my kids were young, one of my kids played on a travel baseball team that was coached by a very good friend of mine. And as the kids got older, the talent got better and the team became more selective. And as they began playing in the 16 to 18 age group, they started uh, scouting out other guys in the area that were the right age that could come and play for their team. So my buddy told one of the assistant coaches, not me, to go over to Maple Woods Community College in Kansas City, Missouri, and might have been in Park Hill, might have been in somewhere else, but it was in the Kansas City area. Go scout the shortstop and uh, see if we want to add him to the team. So this coach goes over and scouts this guy. And he comes back and he reports that we don't want to get him on our team. He's kind of squatty body, doesn't cover very much territory. He's a shortstop and he's got zero range and an average bat. And so we didn't take this kid on our travel baseball team for maybe over 18. His name, you guessed it, Albert Pujols, the coach that scouted Pujols in junior college, thought he was fat, had no range, 
and wouldn't be worth taking a risk with on the travel team. Wow. I don't think that coach went on to play coach or scout in professional baseball. Just a guess. Can't remember who that was. Although, on our softball team, we did have uh, you know some professional athletes. Uh, the 39ers, as the softball team was co- called, had uh, um, a number of Kansas City Chiefs, former Kansas City Chiefs, had uh, former Big Ten track champions, and former minor league baseball players. Brother-in-law of uh, Jamie Quirk was on that team. Bruce Jankowski was on that team. Um, and, and another, Kerry uh, Reardon was on that team. And the coach who scouted Pools was on that team. That's as far as he got. Old man softball. Anyway, that's the scoop on Albert Pujols for now. For now. We're on a roll. We're going to take a little break. We've been going at this for a little bit. Uh, We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll still be on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, and SoundCloud. And uh, I hope uh, you guys are learning something because get ready. You're going to learn a lot about September baseball in just a few minutes. So we'll have a little music, and we'll come back soon. All right, you on the lighter side of baseball fans, we are back. Yeah, there are a lot. of You know, we started this four years ago. Can you believe that? We started it uh, right after my good buddy Dave Nelson passed away. I started it because I didn't have Nelly to talk to, at least not you know, in the dimension that we live in. I still chat with Nelly from time to time. He gives me his baseball opinions. I give him mine. But when he was alive, we had much more meaningful conversations. And we would basically be on the opposite side of the fence for almost everything. Now, having said that, four years has flown by. We've done about 140 episodes. You know, we've had... Some live guys, and uh, I got to admit, I think it's pretty interesting to have the the live guys. We're going to run this through the World Series, and then we're going to evaluate where we are for the offseason, and when will we pick it up for our fifth year for 2023 baseball, because I think that is going to be really exciting with the pitch clock, with the shifts not being allowed. Hallelujah. You will not see any line drive hit into the right field for an out unless the right fielder makes the play. Now, I suppose theoretically you could take your center fielder and move him into that spot and then just play with two outfielders. Maybe they'll try that. You know, Joe Madden was kind of the the pioneer of shifts before, and I'm, I'm not including the shifts that were in you know, when I was a kid, Ted Williams, Rocky Calavito, they would invariably shift like this for Ted Williams and put three guys on the right side of second base. And nobody cared, and it didn't catch on because they didn't have sabermetrics running the show. Sabermetrics is a joke. It doesn't win games, although, by God, the front offices of every team thinks they do. It doesn't. It's an absolute farce because in order for it to work, the pitcher has to be perfect. If, if the shift's on to the right side for a lefty and you throw the ball outside, hoping to get the guy to roll over on the ball and hit into a double play, nine times out of ten, he's going to hit the ball into the left field and you blew it. 
And what do the sabermetrics say about that? They can't tell you anything. I can tell you, I mean, I can go look at the stats. They say, oh, you know, we don't really look at RBIs anymore. Win-loss, the records are kind of crazy. I'll tell you what, I can look at the ERA leaders in both leagues and tell you those, without a doubt, are the top 10 pitchers in each league. Not even a close call. So I think the shift will really make a big difference. The pitch clock will really help me. You know, it'll turn the games uh, in from three and a half hours to two hours and 45 minutes. I can live with that. If they're shorter than the Bears game, I can live with that. Okay? And that's like 315. So if the games are – I don't like a three-hour game, but I can handle that. I know they got to pay for the salaries of the players with all these commercials. The other thing I don't like is this uh, no cash. It's a bad deal. I will say, comparing the Cubs to the Bears, a lot easier to get into Wrigley Field than it was to get into Soldier Field. Um, The uh, magnetometers are still dark ages in the NFL. Baseball, you don't have to take anything out of your pocket. It's pretty cool. All right. What should we talk about next? I know what. I haven't ripped on anybody. I've been too upbeat. Tired of being upbeat. I want to rip. I'm going to rip on three things today. I'm going to rip on the White Sox. I'm going to rip on the Cubs. And I am going to rip big time on Major League Baseball. Okay? Now, definitely the first two are going to be fun. The White Sox happen to be fortunate enough that they play in the worst league in baseball. I mean, the worst league in baseball. So they are four games out of first place. It's September 13th. There's 20 more games, four weeks. Goes boom, boom, boom through September and October and November. And, you know, the White Sox went out, got a good team. They've had injuries. Everybody has injuries. Um, They have... A problem, at least they did through September 15th, and that was they had an antiquated, ridiculous old man at the helm, Tony Larissa. Now, I've ripped on Tony. God love Jerry, friend of mine. He made a, a ridiculous move, and you know it. I mean, anybody knows it. But again, you kept Robin Ventura for a long time. Your loyalty has cost you at least two World Series, Jerry. Now, is loyalty better than a world championship? Um, I, I would have to vote for the world championship. I mean, I'm all for loyalty, but I mean, I think it runs the gamut in, uh, in Jerry Reinsdorf, and that's one of his best qualities. He's very loyal, and he's helped the city with two professional franchises. And, um, you know, what do you do? He doesn't need to sell it for $4 billion. Then what? Just a tax problem for his kids. So he does what any 85-year-old guy with a billion-dollar franchise would do, and that's like, I'm going to pick my friend who I like to drink wine and smoke cigars with, and we're going to be a team. And I'm going to watch the greatest manager on earth get this great ball club to the World Series. Now, 
It could happen. They're not out of it. They're three games back with three, four weeks to play, four games back in the loss column, and they play the teams in front of them um, at least half of their remaining games. So, you know, if they play 700 baseball, they're going to win it. And when they, if they do win it, they've got three pitchers that they could go with that are going to be pretty good. I don't think they're going to get there. And here's the funny thing. Uh, La Russa, two weeks ago, came up with a, a health problem, and nobody likes to talk about health problems because nobody wants anybody to be sick. I don't want Tony to have a hangnail. I don't want Tony to pull a hamstring on the way out to the mound. I don't want Tony to forget where he is when he goes out to talk to the pitcher. And I sure didn't want, nor does anybody want, Tony to have a cardiac event or cardiac experience to where it forces him out of the dugout. Unless you're the 26 men on the roster for the White Sox and the bench coach. Now, the 26 guys swore up and down, loyal to Jerry, I mean, loyal to Jerry's guy, Tony. But they went nine and three the two weeks so far that Jerry's been back. Un, and, and unrelated to baseball activity, all of a sudden the press gets wind of Dave Stewart for the Oakland A's number being retired. And lo and behold, who's going to be there but his old buddy, player and management guy, Tony Larissa. Well, T-Bone is heading out for the ceremony because, oh, by the way, the White Sox are playing the A's that day. Hmm. I don't think that's a coincidence. So Tony's expecting... Jerry to welcome him back with open arms, put the old uniform on, and go coach, buddy. Or as they say in baseball, manage. But somebody, and I suspect it's Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams, and maybe some of Jerry's family says, hey, you know what? Let's not wake up a sleeping dog. Let's just keep going with Miguel Cairo. He's doing pretty good. He claims he talks to Tony all the time. And uh, I think he's doing a much better job because he's like 85 years younger than, not that young. But he was a good baseball, baseball guy, and he's done a nice job. And the White Sox could get to the pennant if two things happen. The Cleveland Guardians collapse, and the White Sox play 700 ball for the next four weeks. That's it. They got to win seven out of ten games. If twenty left, they got to win fourteen out of twenty. Okay, that's it. That's the easy formula. Now, the interesting thing is when will Tony get back in the dugout? Because you know he's going to get back in the dugout. And they had an off day yesterday. They play the Rockies today. That's a pretty good team to come back to. You know, the Rockies suck. They. If, if I was going to give out the Suck Award of 2022, it would go to, well, there'd be a four-way split. I mean, 
but one of the suckiest is the Colorado Rockies. And I, I'm sorry, Bud Black, but you are a smart guy, and if you're really smart, you'll figure out a way to get an extension on your contract and then get fired, and then you get your money. The other sucking teams, and I'm sure I'm going to leave one out. I mean, the Orioles, God, I've been ripping on them forever. Um, they're doing good. Their young kids are coming up. Their young kids get developed. First they pick good kids, they develop the kids, and then they bring them up at the right time. And, uh, you know, I don't know how many guys you can count on, but they've got a good team. They've escaped the doghouse, and they're sort of alive for a playoff, although I don't think so. The real suckies... In addition to the Rockies, you got the Oakland A's, holy cow. You morons, you let Bob Melvin go, and then that's what you get. This makes Bob Melvin clearly one of the greatest managers of all time. He took a horrible team with no financial backing to the playoffs time and time again. They, They let him go. He goes down to San Diego, and the A's are 40 games back now. People say, oh, a manager only makes a game or two difference. Bull crud. Melvin made a big difference. Just like Tony Larissa makes a big difference. Only Bob's difference is positive. T-Bones is negative. I mean, come on, Tony. Go to assist, Go somewhere. Not assisted living. Just leave. Go up to Jerry's suite. It's, he's got two suites. He's got one where he watches the game with who he wants to, and that would be you, Tony, because he likes you a lot. And he's got the other half of his suite where he had to ask people to come up to his suite for whatever reason. He just doesn't sit with them. They sit over on the other side of the partition in the owner's suite, quote-unquote. And Jerry and Tony can smoke cigars, and the people in the third level can say, God, damn, I didn't think you could smoke here. Jerry can smoke there. It's okay. can drink wine there smoke there. And he could do that all with Tony La Russa, and the White Sox would have had this division won by 15 games. The Dodgers, on the other hand, well, why don't the Cubs like the Dodgers? You know, this is like a song from My Fair Lady. Why couldn't the Cubs be like them? Why couldn't the Cubs have a good farm team? Why couldn't the Cubs have a good staff? How come the Cubs couldn't develop guys? How come they didn't keep guys when they got good? How come they didn't go out and get the really good guys like the Cardinals did, like the Dodgers did? No. The Cubs developed great, hard for me to say, hard relief pitching and then figure, ah, goodbye. We'll use him to get a 12th prospect. God, they've gotten rid of... So many good relief pitchers. I don't get the Cubs. Uh, A couple of the reporters corralled Ricketts, and he tried to explain how this was a successful year. And I would say to Ricketts, I'm a marathon runner too. If you believe I'm a marathon runner, then you'll believe, and I would believe, that you've had a successful season this has been one of the worst seasons any Cub team has had since Tinkers to Evers to Frank Chance. The worst. There's no sugarcoating it. 
Now, Ross has tried to hold this team together. My God, there is no major league talent in the starting lineup with the exception of Contreras when he plays, although they tried to get rid of him and blew that, and Nico, 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 Nico. Maybe Madrigal, I don't know. But after that, Ortega, Rivas, you know, Haps, he's proven himself to be the real deal, not Wisdom, uh, not not, uh, Higgins, not Hermosilla, not Reyes, on and 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 on. They are a joke. But they've managed to build a three-story gambling facade next to them, literally next to them. They share a wall. And uh, the Cubs, as we speak, are 24 games back only because they're in the worst division in baseball. Even worse than the American League Central. The two Central Division team, the two Central Division leagues are horrible. Okay? They're bad. The Cardinals are going to win it running away. They went out and got Arenado because Colorado didn't want to pay for him, but they wanted to pay for Chris Bryant. I've said that numerous times on this show. you got to be crazy. I mean, f- fire everybody. I don't know if somebody is... Uh, you know, got an algorithm that tells you how to really play badly. But, you know, you can't use the altitude as an excuse. Go get a team. Go get a manager. Oh, my God. They're bad. Um, so we rip a Cubs a little bit. We rip Tony LaRusso. We build up Miguel Cairo. And David Ross. Sorry, I'm getting tired of my own podcast. I mean, I'm yawning and, uh, oh, my God. Anyway. That's the negative part. Let's talk about some of the great stuff that's going on in baseball right now. I mean, probably the one thing that's amazing is Terry Francona, what kind of a job he's done with the Cleveland Guardians. Again, I don't know what they're guarding. I think they're, it's a fictional character that's purpose is to guard the city. Okay. Well, Tito... He's doing a great job, and his team is okay, and they're hanging in there. And um, so they're okay. The Twins are hanging in there. They're okay. Uh, the rest of the division. The White Sox are still okay. So those three are good, but the Tigers and the Royals are sh- sh- they're dogs. The Royals all every now and then play like a champion and then become a dog again. The teams that are in, still in the dog pound, the dog club, the dog house, judged by at least 30 games back. Unless you're in the Central Division and then we go down to 26 because that's like being 30 games back. The Oakland A's are clearly the leader of being the worst team in baseball. But the Texas Rangers are close. And I guess the L.A. Angels of Anaheim are going to get a new owner again. And that should help, I guess. Mike Trout is amazing. And he's hurt a lot, so he doesn't get the kind of uh, publicity. And he's on the West Coast. 
but he is going tonight for eight games in a row hitting a home run. And last night he just towered a ball over the Guardians fence. Oh, my goodness gracious. He blasted that ball. So he could tie um, Ken Griffey Jr., Don Mattingly, and who could forget Dale Long if you're an old Cub fan? Or even, I wasn't even a Cub fan. I just know Dale Long because he played for a lot of different teams. He ended up as a left-handed first baseman for the Cubs, and every now and then he'd catch with his first baseman's glove as a left-handed catcher. Uh, you know, I don't think we've had a left-handed catcher very often. Mike Squire, Spanky for the White Sox, did it in 83. That was kind of fun. Uh, boy, just kind of all over the board, aren't I? Anyway, you got Trout, who's finally reclaimed some of the limelight over Aaron Judge, who may, he may, set Roger Maris's record for the most home runs in the American League. That would be, if he gets to 62, that would be the record. Maris at 61. A guy named Babe Ruth at 60. A guy named Mickey Mantle was in the race with Maris, but he got hurt. And so um, that's pretty exciting, and Judge is the real deal. Then you've got Albert Pujols, who got traded from the Dodgers back to the Cardinals, kind of his farewell tour. But, I mean, the guy's been amazing. He's hit, I don't know how many home runs, and he hit number 497 the other day, 496 off of the Cubs. And so he is – boy, this, I'm getting tired just doing this. He's three home runs away from 700. That'd be cool. Now a couple other – records. Zach, if your name's Zach, you're pretty much assured of being a good pitcher. Zach Granke, very good. Um, Zach, who played for the Brewers and then for the Cubs and the Padres. Zach, little bitty guy, can't remember his name, good pitcher, kind of had his ups and downs. But Zach Gallon, Gallon, the Diamondbacks have good young pitching. And you know, they had flashes of mediocrity. They played pretty good for a little while, but now they're kind of back to their old losing ways. I mean, if you can play the Cubs and the Reds and the Pirates, the Rangers and the A's, you got a pretty good chance of, you know, having a winning streak. And, and so that's what the Diamondback did. But, but this Zach Gallon had, um, threw 44 and a third Innings of shutout baseball and set the Arizona Diamondback Brandon Webb record. Okay, I've got an autographed ball from Brandon Webb. This is back in the Doug Davis days of Milwaukee Brewers baseball when uh, he would have parties and the offseason that we would attend, and uh, some of his buddies included Brandon Webb. And uh, we would get balls. Autograph from these guys. You know, in the pros uh, booth, they've got little buttons that you can press when you're going to cough or yawn, but not here. All right, back to the bat club. Uh, we've got Zach Allen. We, there's another kid for the uh, Diamondbacks who just came up 
And he has thrown 13 scoreless innings in his premier debut. Ryan Nelson. That's pretty good. All right. The other dogs include, and I'll recap some of these a little bit quick. Oakland, Texas, Los Angeles, Angels of Anaheim, or wherever anybody will take them. Colorado Rockies, but Black's going to get fired. The D-backs are 30 back. The Giants might as well be 29 and a half back. The Nats are 39 and a half back, almost, almost rivaling. Boy, did the Nats dismantle. The Nats and the Cubs should be banned from baseball. They each dismantled World Series champions. Come on. If you can't sign them, sell the team. Really. My goodness. And get some real coaches and general managers and staff to keep those things going. My goodness gracious, the Nats and the Cubs, they had a dynasty for a year. One year. Now the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Red Sox, Red Sox are down a little bit now. But uh, the, the Dodgers and the Braves, they, they just are in the playoffs all the time. The Cubs are in like once every half century. It just sucks. The Marlins, shame on you guys. You're supposed to be good. Donnie, baseball's good. You lost, you know, it's tough to lose a hitter like Jeter, but he quit on you, quit on ownership. He left, and um, the Pirates are 30 back, but they'd be worse in a good division. The Reds, 26 back. Oh, my God. What's with Joey Votto? Why does he just want to stay with this crappy team? I don't know. Mercy roll. You know, after 15 years, you ought to be able to go somewhere like Freddie Freeman did and not get, uh, not get the brunt. Look at the Dodgers. They go out and they keep getting guys. Look at the Cardinals. They go out and keep getting guys. Wow. Back to the records that are being set. Um, you've got this relief pitcher in Cleveland, uh, Clays. He just, he just 34 saves. He's leading the league. He's good. Um You've got uh, all sorts of good stuff going on with uh, the Dodgers and everybody they put in is good. Um, I'll tell you what, it's fun. The um, O's have escaped the doghouse, as we said. The Diamondbacks are close to the the escape route. The Angels still suck. Aaron Judge has 55. Pujols, 497. Records... I mean, numbers mean something now. Um, One of the great seasons ever on the planet comes to us from Tokyo, Japan. This kid's going to cost $150 million just to post. His name is, see if I can say it, Moratara Murakawi. A 22-year-old third baseman that plays for the Tokyo um, Swallows. (laughs) Yellow Swallows. 22, he's got a month left, he's got 55 dingers. He's in a race with Judge, and he's already beaten Sadahara O. For those of you who don't know Sadahara O, I'm too tired to explain it to you. Houston has Freddie, or Framble... Valdez. You know, how's Dusty Baker? He should be in the Hall of Fame. Guy's great. Um, 
24 quality starts in a row. Good news for the Astros. Verlander's going to be back in a week or so. Um, unbelievable. Um, you've got this, um, this Ryan Nelson. 13 shutout innings and, and gallon. Listen to the pitchers that have more consecutive scoreless innings. Of course, Whitey Ford did it in the World Series for, I believe, 59 innings. But Oral Hershiser, 59. Dick Drysdale, 57. Gibson, I think, had 50. Um, Greinke had 39. Carl Hubble had somewhere um, in, the, uh, well, obviously above 44 and a third. Um, Sal Magley, God, I remember Sal Magley. He had a baggy uniform. He was a big, skinny guy. I think he played for the, uh, must have played for the Dodgers or the Giants. Baggy uniform. Carl Hubble, same deal. Dodgers, Giants. Baggy uniform. They all had more than 45, 45 scoreless innings. There you have it. Wow. Let me take a break, short break, come back and see if we can recap this week in sports. All right, we are back, and we're going to recap where we are, as we promised at the beginning of the show, where we are in baseball as of today. And are there any races that are still going on? Is there any race that's exciting? You'll recall that with the lockout being settled, they added a playoff wildcard team. So instead of two wildcards, we have three. And the formula works out to where you have a bye in each league, et cetera, et cetera. We talked about that before. But this was supposed to add excitement, and there really isn't any excitement in the wildcard. The, um, the American League wildcard is over. Forget it. Those, those three teams are going to be in. Um, now, whether they're a wildcard or whether they win the division, but the Guardians and the Twins are going to be in. And um, there isn't in the Blue Jays. They're, they're in the race and the Yankees. And there's not any question. They're going to be those six teams. You just don't know if the White Sox are going to beat out. Whoever they beat out doesn't get in, okay, as a wild card. Did I confuse you thoroughly? Okay. So that's the wild card in the American League. In the National League, it's moderately better, but not much. Moderately better. The Brewers still have a chance to jump into the party, but it ain't looking like it. They're definitely not going to win their division. The Cardinals are going to win that division. Dodgers are going to win the division. Neither the Mets or the Braves. So the... National League East is kind of exciting. The Mets have a two-game lead over the Braves, but uh, both of those teams are going to get in. And uh, if the Brewers get in, the Padres wouldn't. Two games split those teams apart. I think that the Padres are going to stick, and uh, they'll be all right. They'll be in. I don't think the Brewers are going to make it, but you never know. Uh the American League East is sort of exciting, or it was because the Yankees lost like 15 out of 20, let the Rays back in, but now they're pulling away, and Toronto's moved into second place. Toronto's exciting. Boba Shet's just on fire. Won the American League Player of the Week, but, I mean, he's the, he's going to be the he's going to be the MVP, him or Oshan, or uh, Otani. Show me the Shehe the money. Shohei Otani. Um, he should get the Cy Young Award and the MVP and call the MV Young Award. Uh, you heard it here first, and it's so stupid you'll never hear it anywhere else. Um, the AL Central is still a race only because they're pathetic. Uh, 
they may win the division and finish under 500. They being either the Guardians, the Twins, or the White Sox. I happen to think that the Guardians are going to prevail. They got too much. Well, the White Sox have a lot of pitching, but the uh, the Indians have chemistry. The White Sox have Tony. That's all you need to know. So for Jamie Uretsky and nobody else today on the lighter side, we did get to Ward's House of Prime. We did not do a podcast there because um, Craig and I probably uh, had too much of Tom Seaver's wine. And then uh, Brian Ward, who owns Ward's House of Prime, after we were finished with the uh, – once you're done with Seaver, you figure, well, what else could be as good as Tom Seaver's wine? And Brian went to the Dave Nelson locker. Yeah. He dug out and you know, Nelly. Nelly was a great coach, a great student of the game, a great player. Um, great guy, great everything, but he was a great wine. He knew wine. And so Brian went and dug out some wine that Dave left with Brian. And this bottle was of Dick Vermeil wine from probably 15 years ago. And mm-mm-mm. Dick Vermeil could make some good wine. Dusty Baker makes some good wine. George Thomas Seaver makes some good wine. So we had that. We had some great food. And we didn't have time to do a podcast. But I'll have Craig on uh, before the end of the year. And I'll try to get a couple of the guests to wrap it up for 2022. And look forward to the No Shift Pitch Clock year of 2023. And don't forget they have bigger bases next year. Woo. Now, is that something to look forward to? So, on the lighter side of baseball, signing out. Have a great day. Hit them straight. And uh, we will see you on the four, on the, when the next week rolls around. We'll see if the White Sox have played themselves out of contention and if the playoff picture is a little bit more solidified. So, for me on Spotify, Apple, et cetera, et cetera, guys, it's been fun. It's been great. I can't wait for next week. Things are building to a crescendo. Lights out.